Welcome to Finding My Yum. Hey, everybody. Woohoo! I think it's my favorite thing when I start out really loud and sing songy, and then there's always a beat, and you just come in with like, "What's up? Hello? How we doing?" <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's like so. It's a yeah, everything, it is. everything in balance. It's just so indicative of our different personalities. Yeah, it makes true. me smile. Yeah. Um. Well, today is a freaking treat. Um. I bring on. We talk to my cousin, who is like my friend, sister, parent all around just person confidant that I go to for everything so it was so fun to talk about just like childhood like even our like joint experiences and then like growing up in the same family and having totally different experiences and then coming back together around this podcast even in sex which we've been friends and and close for the whole time but I think this has generated a new type of yeah, I always think it's interesting when you like y- you obviously both lived very separate like p- a lar- large part of your life was crossed over in a lot of ways and a large part of your life was like built growing yourselves in other areas yeah. and then being able to I think anytime you can be able to like revisit a friendship and be like, "Oh, this is all this is what all that other stuff yeah. has been going on with me." And like you can I think Yeah, or really connect cool. on a new level yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of sex and that's what I'm trying shared to talk about. experience. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I think it, it's sort of um like my journey has been really interesting because I feel like I've had just a lot of growth around sex in terms of like what I want and I'm looking for and like things that I find more important now in terms of like communication and openness and willingness to experiment and stuff and so there's a part of me where I I think I've kind of gone back to creature comforts like more recently and had interactions with people that I've had interactions with before and it's just made it more clear that my interests and my desires have changed because the things that were fulfilling at that point you know that were amazing when I was with those people before just don't vibe as much with what I'm looking for now which is honestly a bummer because <laughs> like you know it's forcing oh, so me much to go work well it is more work because it's forcing me to really go out of my sort of comfort zone of even people I'm interacting with to find people who are more in line with where I am currently and that that's a part of this journey sure, right it is, you know yeah. and where do you even look for that kind of thing I don't know uh, I still don't I don't know yeah yeah yeah, so it's been that's been an interesting that's been coming up a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, so that's, who that's knows where it'll go? But yeah. I want to explore that more as you explore that more. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but this episode is such a treat. You get a little glimpse into really what growing up and like my family was like. So um, I hope you enjoy. I'm feeling yummy head to toe. You see me. Welcome to Finding My Yum. This is a special edition episode because I have one of my favorite people on the entire universe here. No discredit to our other guests we've had. That's true, but (laughs) this is family and blood. It is my cousin Jillian and she is amazing and is basically like... I don't know, been like my sister and mom and best friend since I've been growing up. And especially in terms of this podcast uh, and like learning, like has just been a pillar of information and love and support and just the person to turn to at every turn. 
Uh, yeah, I used the same word twice. But anyways, <laughs> thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so, so excited glad. that you're in L.A. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, you haven't been to L.A. in a while. I have spent almost no time in L.A. Yeah. Everyone keeps being like, do you like L.A.? I'm like, I don't. I went, I went, but the, the house I went to in Beverly Hills was beautiful. <laughs> My cousin's apartment is nice. Yeah, I took her through um, from the airport ways. And so, and we went through all these neighborhoods and she was like, is this how people drive here? And I was like, yes. Yeah, because much. every major road is horrific. I was so, I was like, this is such a confusing route what is happening <laughs> as I was like laying way back in the car because I get car sick I was like this is terrible here <laughs> don't you have trains no I live in New York no we don't we don't fuck with that shit here mm, fair, fair. <laughs> well, technically we, we just, do but it takes like 10 hours to and get you have anywhere. to go way out of your way and there's like only like only if you're gonna go downtown and that's yeah. terrible so today we are talking about we have the privilege of having you here so um we're gonna talk about uh, like growing up in the in the same family, but in totally different like nuclear families with our parents. Obviously, we had different experiences and you're nine years older than I am. So we experienced things very differently. But I think the outcome was sort of an, a, a similar trajectory for to a certain extent of um where we're at now and where I'm at now certainly is a little bit more I think in line like as I I mean we've sort of talked about this is like as I experience new things like uh, I like level up with you I feel like because I keep coming to me like I did this thing and you're like <laughs> cool this is what that world looks like <laughs> in like a bigger fashion which has been amazing um yeah so um I think we were gonna start with like we both grew up in households where the predominant idea was like we are open about sex and we can talk about sex but that wasn't the sort of message I think that both of us sort of took away from it yeah I mean in my household it was definitely very much like uh I'll tell you all about sex like I want you to be I want you to have all of the tools when you go into the world and so we had very early conversations about how sex happened and and you know, I think my, my parents really subscribed to the idea that you you answer a child's question to the extent that they they want it. So when you say, when you're four and you say, where do babies come from? You say, mommy's tummies. And the four-year-old's like, okay, cool. Sure. And then eventually you're like, but how do they get in there? You know, and you give more answers. And so I remember my mom had given me most of the information and the girls in school had like – we were sort of piecing it together, but we didn't have quite all of it. Yeah. And I was Did nine. Did you have sex ed? Because we went to the same high school. Oh, yeah. But this was this was Tucson Hebrew Academy. We did not have sex ed. Oh, okay. There was an anatomy book in the in the like tiny library, like, uh, the elementary school library sure. that we all like snuck behind the thing and we're like, <laughs> ovaries. <Yeah. laughs> salacious ovaries. So salacious. <laughs> and we were like, so you put them in something? Like we didn't quite get it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think because my parents are physicians. And so I think like we talked about this. I don't remember anatomically learning like that in heterosexual penetrative sex right like a vagina a penis goes into a vagina like I remember when I actually conceptualized what that looked like my (laughs) mind was fucking blown like I was reading a book and they were talking about sex and I was like what's happening how does this even work I don't understand and in the book this was also mind-blowing sort of a little tangent but like 
in the book, it was a very awkward experience. And growing up, I was like, no, no. When you have sex, there are fireworks that are going off immediately. <laughs> there is a band True. and a concert Always. playing. And like, you know, there's heart emo like <laughs> the emojis just flying. And like, it's the best thing ever if you're with the person you're supposed to be with. And this book like really rocked my world where I was like, what was this book? Oh. It was like a teen, just like a teen oh, sure, whatever, sure. you know, but. <laughs> But but in it, like, the girl was, like, super unsatisfied, and it was silent. And I was like, oh, my God, you can have silence. <laughs> it's like, it sounded like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know? Like, a, like a, yeah, it's so funny. Because I really did think, like, oh, you meet the person you're supposed to be with, and then you fly into a Disney movie and basically get on a magic carpet and roll The car around. goes up in the air. Yeah. And, like, and, like the world shifts, in. and you just float. So was, that a, and, like, was that a message that was, like, put out there by your family because I know you're talking about how like that kind of shaped your op the openness of sexuality and stuff but like it, was it their values and stuff that kind of made you feel this well, way? Well I don't similar? know if you got this message because I don't know if I don't know if I think grandma did support sort of the I got the message from grandma that I had to be like sort of Britney Spears like that which is which is a super sexualized <laughs> I don't think our grandma knew a lot about Britney Spears <laughs> she did it I know <laughs> to but, be fair. but in terms of like body type yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's what she was emphasizing I don't think she knew about like sort of how sexualized she was right. but but even like I feel like Britney Spears even as being as sexualized it was so about the male gaze and it was so in line with you do all these things to attract like the right partner and then they're going to change your world, right? So I think it's really relevant to, because that's sort of like our grandmother is sort of the last point of common yeah. family between us. Right. Um, and it seems really relevant that our grandmother met the love of her life. And this is a story she spent, but I think it was also true uh, when she was like 19 and she like even younger. maybe even younger when she was 19 he was in the mm, some sort of military right. and they, he was like she went and like stayed in hotel lobbies and like bathed in the bathroom with and like, and like stayed on people's porches yeah. while he was in in De service yeah and yeah. so and she followed him around and then eventually they had five kids and, my, and also relevant to the story is that our grandmother was a was an easy lookalike for Zsa, Zsa Gabor yeah she was a freaking bombshell she was about five foot she she always wore back braces which happened to also function as waist centers yeah and those uh 50s cone bras the cone like madonna cone until basic? Yeah. yeah through the 90s that's great yeah and then and it. then she got a little bit more adventurous in her clothing and i remember Whoa. like i would have to like help her pull up oh, her yeah. pants because they were too tight and they but they were like leopard printed well animal prints were and, big like, in the 90s yeah i love yeah. when grandparents do that oh, oh it was God. amazing yeah. my aunt and uh, uh my great aunt and her and my grandma we went on some cruises oh, yeah. with my mom and like they had wigs that they would like my grandma had like she was platinum blonde till she died and and so she would wear like they had this tiny room in a cabin on a cruise <laughs> and there were just like 10 heads set up with like wow. 10 different wigs that they could choose at any time and then when we went into mexico my aunt my great aunt katie like she would wear a million things of jewelry and we were like, you ha you have to take those off. Like, it's just not going to work going into Mexico. It's not like a, it, it's just not going to set up a good environment. We're going to get a lot of attention. And so it took an hour to like get off every single bangle on every single. <laughs> but the other thing that I think is really relevant is particularly to this journey of like finding your, um, your, your sex, your sexuality and your sexual journey is that 
our grandmother, as she aged, because I actually remember a slightly different version of grandma because the, mm. the wigs were really late in life. Mm-hmm, Before mm-hmm. that, she would tease her hair out like the Lion King and then like smooth over the top like forever. And it was always like, oh yeah. That. Forever. And and th- she would just spend hours. So as time went by, she actually went out less and less and became more and more of a recluse. Um, and it had to do with aging. And she would spend... because yeah, she wasn't perfect right? anymore. And she would spend yeah. hours. She would go in front of the mirror and she would just like press to her face and check her lipstick and try on different lipsticks and like pull up her skin a little. And it was just... The, and I spent a lot of time there because I uh, I didn't have a lot of friends. And so I would, <laughs> I would spend a lot of time in my grandmother's house. Like after school, I'd stay there. And so I just, that's what I saw a lot of. And they didn't do a lot of reaching out or socializing, um, both my grandmother and my parents. Um, and then, and it was this sort of like closing down as she became what she perceived less physically attractive, but also obsessing about it. That's so true. I, I mean, I think that's something that's plagued my family. And like, my mom is gorgeous, but I think she's dealt with that too of like physical appearance was really really important it was like one of the most important things I think as the the predominant value and I I, you know I I don't think my mom overwhelmingly said anything about that it was just something that was passed on it was just like a and especially grandma I 100% got that message from grandma if I like gained any little bit of weight you know like I was like a tiny bit chubby at 10 before I started doing gymnastics and she was like oh you're gorging yourself and I was like like a tiny bit (laughs) and then I just dropped it all because I was doing gymnastics like 12 hours (laughs) and a kid (laughs) so it sounds like you feel like that uh person like that need to be perfect right probably conveyed itself down to your relationships yeah definitely i mean i don't know how you i think my experience is a little bit different because i think within my family then my immediate family my parents there was this particularly my mother there was this backlash because my mother so your mom looks very much like our grandma in that way she's like very petite but my mom is beautiful tiny yeah yeah, like my mom is bigger and broader and also gorgeous but like didn't didn't fit into that ideal and so she had like an entire 180 response to it which was to like totally well, she, shut your down mom to isn't my grandma our grandma's right, right. bloodline yeah it's not your dad that's, good point mm-hmm. um but there was like a very strong backlash to that I, that beauty standard idea and so what i got was like we don't talk about our bodies we don't worry about what we look like even the, like it's very even though there's a lot of that in there, like there's a lot of, it's like a disassociation because we'll never, it'll never be right, which is challenging because I look exactly like my mother. So <laughs> anything that's like, I don't know, it's never going to be the right bodies. I'm like, oh, but it's my body. <laughs> yeah. And we've had that conversation a bunch of times where I was like, so when you say things that are not nice about your looks, you you are saying them about my looks because we are the same. <laughs> Yeah, that is interesting. That's a hard thing. I would imagine that's a hard hurdle as a parent to sort of. I'm sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people experience that, you know, because your kids look like you and you're like, you, and then you see in your kid all the beauty that you used to have, but how now it's not, even though when she was my age, she was still like, oh, this isn't right. She still couldn't see it. right? Right. Yeah, of course. But so, okay. So you, you grew up, I, I think one of the things we sort of talked about was like, you got a lot of information from magazine, like porn magazines. <laughs> this was in the right? days before the internet. Right. <laughs> when right, I was like, right, right. what's under the mattress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it wasn't like embraced for you to look at it. Like when, when it was revealed that you were interested in it, it wasn't like cultivated as like, this is a natural thing that you're attracted to. It was more 
that's not okay. Like little girls or your you particularly shouldn't be doing that, right? Right, right. So there was a there's a story, and my mother, if she listens to this, she'll she'll call in, she'll contest, sure. she'll come be a she'll come be on the podcast. Don't worry, Aunt Jen, we love you. <laughs> we love you. So my brother was he must have been eleven or twelve, and he was reading a Playboy on the couch, and my mother was like. You know, it was like a defiance thing. My mom didn't want to shame his sexuality and she didn't want to have him, I think, have a backlash. And so she was like, I just want you to know, like, why are you reading that? And he's like, I'm interested in the articles. And she was like. (laughs) Which is something my dad would say. Totally. <laughs> we were talking about this last night yeah. and I was like, to be fair, I read a Playboy, I don't know, hand, as an adult a handful of years ago and I was like, oh, these articles aren't bad. Right. I have <laughs> heard that. Like, I don't understand why they're sort of interesting articles and then like pictures of naked ladies, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but they're not bad articles. So I, so he was laying on the couch and she was like, I just want you to know, like, I don't like how those portray women and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a positive image. And my brother was like, fine. And she was like, Fine. And she kept doing laundry in the laundry room and he was laying on the couch. And I I was probably nine, so I didn't read well, you know, I didn't read fast, but I was staring at the page and there's this it's funny because there was a naked lady picture, uh, very eighties, like you know, hair and the glitter and whatever. And I'm sure she was wearing like a headband and um and I was like looking at this little drawing, like a, just a little like ink drawing of uh, the outline of a woman with like breasts. Uh, it seems relevant at this point to mention. Oh, yeah. that I don't think we've mentioned that no, I, I'm queer identified and I don't uh, I don't for the most part have any sort of sexual engagement with uh, cis men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking at this drawing of a naked lady at nine and I was like really titillated. And my brother, I was staring at it from him. My brother goes, what are you doing? And I was like, I was reading the article. Uh. <laughs> like, no, you weren't. You were looking at the pictures. <laughs> and I was like, no. And then he like stormed off to his bedroom. And so then uh, like a year or two later, I, I mean, I was obviously stealing my brother's porn to read about porn because that was how we learned about sex. But I had like stolen one of his magazines, which he kept in his blood- butterfly kit. <laughs> he had a butterfly, butterfly kit. kit. He had one like ways to raise sociopathic children, like a little kit for <laughs> catching butterflies and then and pinning them to them? a board. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> and that's where he kept his porn. So uh, until it got too big, and then he kept it in a box in his bedroom. I know all your secrets. Something about that is very sociopathic. It's, I like, mean, if he was, he is not. He's not. But if he was a serial killer, you'd be like, yeah, I get it. So I stole one of his porn magazines, and I had had it for several days. But like you know, there's like the the anxiety of like you're gonna get caught. You can't keep it for too long. What if he goes looking for that porn magazine? And um, my mom came out of my room and she had it in her hands and all of the blood because like I am now probably 11 or 12 and I am not supposed, first of all, I'm a girl and girls aren't supposed to read porn. Second of all, like I am a big old dyke and like I am reading about ladies and that is bad. You know, I'm supposed to be, and she's going to know. You knew that at that point. No, I didn't know that. You didn't know it. Okay. But like, but I knew that there was something like you can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm doing air quotes wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like there was something off about that. Like it, I wasn't supposed to be looking at the pictures of the naked ladies. I wasn't supposed to be turned on by like the, what the women were doing. Um, I was supposed to be interested in men. Like, right. So the, the story I didn't finish earlier was just that my mother was like, the, that was the day she was going to tell me about sex mm-hmm. and she was going to like tell me all the details. And she sat down on my bed and I was nine years old and she said, okay, when the man becomes aroused, his penis gets hard and I screamed and I put my head under a pillow and that was the last time we ever talked about <laughs> sex. So that's actually all that's I know awesome. about sex. <laughs> um, so she came out Me and she too. was, yeah. <laughs> and then you just close your eyes and you wait for it to be over. Yeah, and then something <laughs> happens and then it finishes. Ooh, this feels sad. <laughs> There's a Golden Girls episode where Rose, they're all like talking about sex and Rose is like, it was, it was 
10 years before I knew what that thing is in the dark under the covers that makes your eyes roll back in your head. Uh. (laughs) What's the thing? Oh, Golden Girls. Uh, Also, side note, they're all so young and they treat them like they're so old. (laughs) Estelle Getty is the same age as all of them too. Did you know that? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. And she plays the oldest. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so my mom comes out with this magazine and she's super shaming it. I mean, she didn't mean to be. She was like, I found this in your room. And I was like, oh no. Um, something's wrong with me they're sending me to like a reformation camp or something and I was like I stole it to to so I could prove that Adam was going in my room which he definitely was I, obviously I was yeah. too quick thinking <laughs> yeah yeah and, but then my mom is so smart so she goes well couldn't he just say he was going in your room to get it back and I was like Good point, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only 11. Didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> didn't think. I was like, well, I didn't think about that. So how did that, that conversation? Yeah, it just sort of like ended. Like there was no, there was no like, hey, it, it. Like I think it was so uncomfortable for my mom, and I was such an awkward kid with such awkward social skills too. So it's not like I was like very responsive to being reached out to. Mm-hmm. And I think my my mom wasn't like. I think she didn't know how to be like, hey, it seems like you're interested in sexuality, you know. And also, I think. Like we didn't ever talk about it later, but it also seems relevant that I am queer. And so talking about first sexual experiences with my parents would have been very uncomfortable for both of us because like they wouldn't have known. Right. Like there was no shared. Yeah, yeah, there was no shared thing. And like and then later my sexuality, like my, my parents got married at 21. So, you know, to to be like, do you know, it's important to clip your nails for fisting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, it, it is. Yeah. PSA. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Penny drops. <laughs> That's my favorite. I know. I lost my va- my train of thought because I was just like em- envisioning a fister with nails. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, gloves. Yeah. Gloves are. I'm. I sometimes I do this thing where I like overrepresent. Like I'm not. I'm not really very into fisting, but it is important that. That you clip your nails. Yeah. I imagine it would be. Just Rubber in general, in. I feel like, even with guys and they have long nails, mm-hmm. I've experienced that and I'm like, what? Ow. Honestly, Like I... guitarists? <laughs> Who don't use picks but use nails? Yeah, well, they all have like that, like... The, the calluses. Like, calluses. Well, oh. and the like totally. pinky really long nail that... A lot of guitarists have long for, nails yeah. for whatever. Yeah. Y'all, rubber gloves. Not that I've fix that. fucked <laughs> a lot of guitarists. I mean, I'm down, but... <laughs> message us what I was going to say is wow I really forgot <laughs> <laughs> the fisting really just threw me well but I think it it's interesting because that's like your first well, I'll, I'll, I'll take Thanks. what you were talking about Please. then which was like your first kind of brush in with sexuality in your family right mm-hmm. um, and then ask that towards you Jerry which is like what did what was that like in your oh, yeah, similar yeah. families but different yeah so I like the messages that I got from my mom, which I sort of touched on in the last episode, was like sex was this very uh, precious thing to be cultivated and only done with somebody that you loved. Like it was like this. It felt massive to me. It felt like something that um, shouldn't be dealt with easily. Like it, it, it wasn't a careless thing. It was something you really needed to surprise and 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 it was this big deal and so I shut down to sex I think very early because like every interaction I had with men I would I was very like 
I, I like took my stance and I was like, I won't do anything that I don't want to do before I'm ready to do it. So I had a lot of times where like middle school, I had my first boyfriend and he wanted to make out. And I was like, I will not do that. <laughs> good sir. Yeah. Good <laughs> sir. Get off of me. <laughs> you know? And so we broke up and, um, it was sort of like this big deal and it was some, and then it became part of my identity really intensely of like, I'm the person that's not going to do anything that I don't want to do because you tell me it's time to do it. And, but that sort of manifested in like, I'm not going to do anything then. Nobody is good enough. Cause then you have to have that communication with yourself. Right. Like that's, right. and that becomes hard too. Or yeah. Be like, because do I want to do that? Yeah. I don't know. I've always not done it. So I'm right. just going to assume I'm not. How do you know when well, you're ready? And for the thing? first time I made out with somebody in college, I remember like with that particular guy, like we, he didn't even like finger me or anything, but it was like the first sort of sexual experience <laughs> in that way. I don't know why that's this like the bar. Like he didn't even finger me or anything. Well, because I think <laughs> there was like, there was like touching sure. and there wasn't anything inside, but, but even because the idea of something it's, it's, it's prevalent because the idea of something inside felt dirty and shameful mm. and like I was all of a sudden impure. And so even somebody touching me in, in my vagina in that space was like, Oh, I've done something wrong. Like I, I'm, I'm not. This isn't the person I'm gonna marry. I know that I'm not gonna be with this person for forever. And so, because I let them do that, now I've done something horrific. And I remember having a ton of shame around that, that I didn't deal with at all. But, but that was also a moment I think where I was like. I can't talk to my mom about this anymore because I feel like she'll judge me. And I don't necessarily think that that's true, but that was my impression of like, I'm bad. I'm now bad. I'm in a, a new category. Like I'm not sh that strong person anymore who's mm. standing up for myself and my body and like, you know, female independence. Like now I'm dirty and, and wrong. Totally. It, it brings, we were talking about how, uh, we both sort of like had these like stabs at sexual experimentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, it actually just reminded me that my first big makeout session was with a guy. And this, this kind of thing actually ended up happening to me a lot. Like I, there was this, oh, there was this girl named Paula there. And I was, I was at my best friend's, she was in college. I took a year off. So she was like way ahead of me. And uh, so I guess I was 19. And I, there was like a bunch of queer people because my friend um, is super, has always been like a super cool queer. And there was this sort of like, now we would probably say uh, gender nonconforming, but she was like a little bit butch. Um, she was a little bit masculine. And I was like, what is that? That thing is what the thing I want. <laughs> yeah. um, but she was like, She's kind of flirting, but then she hooked up with somebody else that night. And they, they had history, and I didn't realize. And I was super disappointed. And there was this boy there, and he was like the the only guy, the only one left. And I was like, I mean, I really wanted to make out. I'd never done it, so we were making out, and he kept trying to go up my skirt, and I kept, and like I was letting him touch my boobs because it felt good, but I wasn't really into him. And I was like, I kept moving his hand. He must have tried to put his hand up my skirt. 300 times during the night and I was like I don't understand why like what, like am I gonna forget am I just gonna and so by way <laughs> yeah, of being I wonder angry, what men think at that point you know they're just like oh well if I do it enough yeah I'll wear her down and then it'll be great for both of us yeah <laughs> like we both I think but I yeah I don't even know like it's like I I want this so she must want yes yeah, we totally. must be on the same page and and her no is wrong right like yeah right. she's just at the no yeah there's that absolutely yeah yeah, and so there, there was a lot of that, like, sort of, like, uncomfortable. All of my first sexual experiences were sort of, and maybe that's true for most people. They were all sort of, like, terrible and, like, not quite what I was looking for. And, like, yeah. I mean, my, yeah, I for mean, sure. Mine was, yeah, mine was in <laughs> college. Things, yeah. you, you ring into that, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, 
because we talked about when we lost our virginities, which was pretty late. <laughs> yeah. Because I lost mine at 23, which is pretty old. And at that point, I was sort of seeing somebody that I was like, whatever, we're not going to, like, I was just ready. And we were sort of dating. I don't even know what you can call what we were doing. But, like, we were sort of dating. And so he was just, like, there. Um, but I do feel like the second I had sex, it opened up a new door. But I there was something, a release of pressure because I did feel like I I expressed before, like it was supposed to be this magical, insane thing. And I remember even fantasizing about my first time, like with somebody I dated a while ago, like early when I moved to LA that like, oh, we would go to a hotel room and he would set up all these candles and like, what the so fuck is that? Seems like That's a lot of work. So <laughs> much. So then you have to move all the candles right. and like, do you blow them out or do you let them go down? It's gonna start fire. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> so right. Much like the sprinklers think, go off. I think the person that I ended up did like losing my virginity to. I think he did light a couple of candles oh. to my credit. Well, so nice. good job. But um, <laughs> nailed it. And you yeah. let that one get away. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I What's know. he doing now? Oh God. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> Got weird in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but when you like, cause like, yeah. And then you said when you lost your virginity, <laughs> you <laughs> just had a funny experience. I, and then, I lost my virginity twice in the same 24 hours to two different people. One was great. The second one, the first one was terrible. And I definitely remember being like, no, that's not, that's not sex. <laughs> that's not why people do this. <laughs> But then the the second person just wasn't available for more, and the first person was. So I had sex with her another ten times, and then I didn't have sex again for a year. Yeah, and and honestly, it was that she was like the first single, not terribly like f- butch person that I ever met. And I was like, mm-hmm. I moved to Boston so I could be gay. Um, that was that was actually the reason I moved. Sure. I just couldn't figure it out. Like my family was supportive in the like we're too weird to talk about sex but we love you no matter what kind of way like which i feel like in the 90s was like an amazing like, I mean, it's pretty woke for it's, the it 90s. was pretty woke right. in the 90s. Right. Yeah. they were like love you no matter Got a lot what. of work to do now but still right. yeah, yeah yeah exactly but so it was it was you know relatively speaking pretty great but i just wasn't ready so then i had this sort of like mediocre sex with the first person who was the vaguely the gender that it turned out i was into yeah but then you did more with that person is that what you're saying i, I mean i had sex with that person 11 times and it was awful every I, that's got I was gonna ask if it ever got any better no it got no. worse oh, they had bummer. terrible hygiene oh. which I didn't realize I was like why does the room smell so bad when we have sex and then, then later years later yeah. I was like oh yeah a little wiping issue yeah that's good to know <laughs> really really in depth well so I think this is this came brought something up to me um, while you guys were talking earlier uh, about the importance of having somebody that you can communicate um, about sexuality with because I don't think like you because you said something earlier you, you felt like you couldn't talk to your mom about these kind of things yeah uh, once I got to a certain point yeah. right and mm-hmm. I feel like I've never had like family that would talk about any of that stuff it was always like I I was I given a book a male and that was the too, extent right? of any it's of my like, sex ed oh yeah <laughs> you were given a yeah. book you were yeah. given yeah. a book I don't did remember you read the book I, and then I remember well <laughs> I did read the book and then I remember like three years later like I had friends over one time and they found the book and it was horrific to me oh, uh, yeah no. yeah I was like it was very right. whatever but all the same it was like I never was it really an anatomy had. book or was it actually about sex? It was a like anatomy about sex book. Interesting. It was basically like how it was basically like the talk okay. without where your parents don't have to give you the talk. They I just give you the that. book. But we were talking about how we both sort of got some version of that at some point because we knew how it worked. Yeah. But we didn't get any like actual coaching around like was there anything sure. in the book around like 
how, how to talk do you about. do it? I don't think so. Not really. I mean, and granted, I think I got the book in middle school, so like I don't remember okay. much about it. So they were giving point. dating points, right? No, <laughs> like, they were how not. How to talk to a girl? So no. that sex? None of that stuff. <laughs> and, and like, okay, so I, this doesn't need to be dug into too much, but I do remember like when I was younger trying to figure out how to talk to women like the vh1 a vh1 show came out the like pickup artist like with the like skeezy <laughs> dudes so great. and i like me and my friend were like oh great this is good tell us how to talk to women and we like watched the first time we're like i don't know if that's right they but also like though. that's no right but like it is like impressionable yeah. young men that don't know what they're doing oh my God. and the only thing the only thing that they're getting communicated to is like this thing right so like i don't know how old you are but did you ever experience the box i don't oh maybe so like no, I don't 99? know anything about that. Well, so our, you're only a couple years older than I am, though. Yes. So probably sure. right between us, maybe. I'm 32. Oh, okay, so maybe so, not. Yeah. Um, so our grandmother, which you were too young to know about, but then both of my grandparents had the box, and the box was this thing, because you cable, you had to like pay for cable, and they would just mm-hmm. connect it, but the box circumvented that, and so you could get all the cable just for paying for the box. It was illegal. And uh, but that included Skinamax, which is uh, which is what happens to Cinemax after 10 p.m. Yeah. And um, oh god, what was that? Uh, there's a station called oh Spice Spice. I feel like I remember this. Spice although I think Channel. it was scrambled on mine. Sure, but even there was if it something was where it was like, and occasionally you, you could see like, like a boob. see a line with like a yeah. boob or something. Yeah. It was all yeah, <laughs> it was all that was dope. Yeah. So that was all of my experiences learning about sex sure. young was like reading porn and then watching the softcore porn and and like softcore porn in the eighties and nineties was not very it was not feminist. Oh I'm no! Sure. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and I remember there was porn around. Like I remember going to some parties or something, and like you know they and I was. Because like in high school, yeah, and because like my my mom would we would watch movies or whatever, and I I, I had a very limited amount of things that I could watch. Like it was yeah, super restricted. That. But even when we did watch stuff, like she would fast forward through the sex, and I would have to close <laughs> my eyes. So, so did you just think that sex was really really fast? <laughs> no, because I couldn't see it at all. So like, this is also why you know. Now putting it together, it's also why I couldn't conceive of what anything looked like because I never saw it. Like, uh, you know, I would never. It was literally like, there's the new. Rom- I know there are candles. Yeah, there. <laughs> No, there's like really rose petals. Music. I don't know anything else. But and then, then like afterwards. Then it goes, <laughs> and then it's done. It's over. Yeah. So fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was so bizarre. But I think about interesting talking about communication is mm-hmm. like we were talking about this because I was like, you've been such an amazing resource and support system, especially through this podcast of like, because I've had guests on where well, we can talk about where the the origin of the name came from because it's because of you, but but like being able to communicate now because I've, I'm more open and like being in, in Los Angeles and I've had such a shift, you know, we were talking about, I used to do this thing with a group of friends who well knows who mm-hmm. that was called philosophy dinner, which was amazing, but we would get together and we would debate certain topics. And this was like five years ago. <laughs> and, um, like you were saying that like, essentially we were debating sex work and I don't really remember this, but we had a conversation and I, you can tell it. Cause. So, so you came to me and you were like, we debated sex work. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> you were like, I was like, what did you talk about? And you were like, well, basically you talked about that. You didn't think that it felt right. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And you were like, well, we couldn't exactly put our finger on it, but it just doesn't feel good 
And I was like, and and you, so you were saying that you felt like it should be illegal and it just felt icky was the word you used. And I was like, so just to be clear, you and four other white people sat around a table and decided, um, who I imagine, I mean, come from a certain amount of privilege that yeah. decided that uh, sex work should be illegal based on the fact that it makes you feel squicky. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I just don't understand how, uh, it was just something about um, how, how a woman could respect herself if she did that. And I just remember saying to you, I don't hide my self-respect in my pussy. Yes, and you I were do like, remember you saying oh. that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> no, but, but it makes sense, right? Of like my conception of sex as this holy thing. Totally. This like precious thing. And then you're just giving it willy nilly. Like how could you be empowered when you're doing that? Because that's not an empowering thing to do. And the truth is I, I actually do keep a lot of my self-respect in my pussy. And I knew it wasn't true when I said it to you. But I felt like for <laughs> the moment. I'm nailing this line though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is the thing. This is the thing. But, I actually feel like being empowered about your own sexuality and what you want to do with your own pussy is true tremendously empowering and I, I actually hold a huge amount of my self-respect around like the fact that uh, since having sort of those random stabs at sex that I am I don't have sex with people I don't want to have sex with and I think that is pretty unusual um, in for a lot of people mm-hmm. and and I have a fair amount of sex so I, I have had sex with you know I don't I don't certainly more than is average for like your average straight partner um, and none of them have been people where I where like I've never been like oh I wish I hadn't done that I just wanted to like prove something you know yeah yeah um but anyway so going from that conversation that was like five years ago and so I remember when I started on this journey you brought that up and I was like oh my god I can't (laughs) believe that I I felt that way because I did I felt so strongly in that way and so it's been nice to have you there every step of the way to be like you know, just ask questions like even with guests that we've brought on and been like, well, how, how do I how do I navigate this person and their pronouns and what they they feel and like what are appropriate questions? Because I'm fascinating about everything, but I don't want it to come my naivety to come off as diminishing and disrespectful. And like, I don't love what they're doing just because my questions aren't necessarily as thought out or respectful of sort of their journey and their their timeline. And so the the name of the podcast came about because you were talking about yums. Right. And well, and I, I, it actually, in my head, it started with, I was thinking about your first couple episodes and you were talking, there was so much of like, and I mean, just, I'm not into that, but like anybody who's into that is okay. You know, there's so much like trying to make it okay. Right. And, and like, like my, and I, I think it's so, it's great to be conscientious of like that you're white and straight and young and pretty. And like those, it's really important to be aware of your things, but also to be aware that like, everything doesn't have to be then inclusive for uh, everybody else. And so I was thinking about how there was so much, it felt like almost apologizing and being like anything anybody's into. And for me, I realized really early when I went to my very first uh, sex party, it was, it was Ms. Leather something. in San, it's like a big one in San Francisco. And I went with a partner who was uh, a little bit older and had had a couple of other partners who had taken them to things, you know, in years before. So they were sort of like my like daddy taking me through the world. And it was a, it was like a, a big deal in the leather world. And it was very queer, but there were some straight people. And so there was a really interesting mix. And I remember getting there and being like, I'm going to be the most hardcore. I'm going to do every single thing. Like, I, And then I saw a woman get up on some sort of like cross, like it wasn't a St. Andrews. She was like elevated and she was like on a post and there were three people hitting her back full steam ahead with one had a whip. One had a, uh, it's not called a cat, but it had like three tails with like 
beads on the end and one had a flogger and I saw it and I was like I am never going to be the most anything (laughs) and it was such a good for me a moment of being like nope (laughs) and what I learned is that if you're respectful about it and if you're smart about it one of my favorite things to do at play parties is to yuck other people's yums and I'm really like I'm gentle and I'm careful about it and I oh yeah I was talking to you guys about Anna Monoxide who's a performer in New York and she does these performances she does full clown makeup which I love clowns and then she does these like stabbing piercing she'll like pierce herself in the throat and then slide a rose through it she did one yeah she did one where she like (sighs) ran blood down her neck and then like wiped a marshmallow on it and then like offered it to someone to eat and I think marshmallows are gross to begin with and I was like oh my god and I said to her afterwards I was like that was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen and she was like thank you so much (laughs) you know because because it's not like the point is isn't like you're disgusting how could you do that the point is like holy shit you brought out this experience in me that was so intense and she's like yeah that's what I was going for and then we both get to feel joy instead of being like I mean if you're into that that's cool I'm not into that that's awful like right and I think you know that's interesting because I think that that's been a big conversation that's come up too like as I've had more experiences like with women or going to sex parties or whatever is like this identity conversation of what I think is so interesting is like if I label you and I make myself the other or I separate myself from you then like I feel better about myself because I don't have to deal with the shit that you're doing that's bringing that stuff up in me. Right. And the idea of like yucking someone's yum in a loving way is like, holy shit, you moved so much inside of my body and so much inside of me mentally. And like, I don't know if I like <laughs> it, but like, thank you for giving me that experience. And like, it's amazing that you like that. And that is a huge shift that I feel like I've had too of like, yeah, if everybody could do that, I just feel like we w- the world would change. Right. Like there's mm-hmm. such a there's such an experience of okay, I'm I'm definitely not into what you're doing. Yeah. But I am into like I'm choosing to stay in the room. I when people do flesh hangings, I don't want to be in the room. It's too much for me. Like And a flesh hanging just Oh yeah, when people um do so it's it's subcutaneous, so it, it actually goes like many layers under the skin and they put hooks oh. and then they actually um do weight bearing from hanging from it. And for me, oh my god. It's too much. Like for <sighs> me it, it actually makes me feel sad. And I like I don't think because it's a sad activity. No. I just think like for me seeing that level of physical torment is is overwhelming and I don't I don't want to I don't want to participate so yeah. I leave the room but if I'm not choosing to leave the room and I'm choosing to stay in the room so like I don't want to yuck that yum I just don't want to be a part of it yeah if I if it's something that I think is yucky I want to I want to experience the yucky yeah. like I am I want to like revel in it and be like thank you for making me feel so gross yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 another thing that I that I was talking about to you that I love to do is I love to like I love to be an instigator so I love to hide behind people and then be like, like watch people doing things I would never do, like horrible. I have a friend. I was actually just ran into her recently, and we reconnected after years. And uh, I remembered she was like hitting somebody with a metal, um, what are those? Uh, a flat, the flat things that you like sports paddles, like a like a paddle. Okay. Um, <laughs> sports sports things. Sports things. Tennis racket. <laughs> it was like flat and it was thick and it was awful. And she was hitting somebody with it, and I was like, that looks really mean. She's like, yeah, I like to play mean. And I was watching them, and I was. Horrified. I was like, this is so rough. I would never. And I was hiding behind somebody. And then I would just peek out and be like, I thought you were going to hit her hard. <laughs> <laughs> I would hide again. And she'd be like, they'd, and they'd be like, oh, okay. And they'd hit harder. And then I'd be like, no, it's cool. I mean, I just thought you could take a beating. No big deal. And then, <laughs> and then they would do things. I'd be like, oh, no. Oh, God. Why would anyone let anyone do that? Oh, my God. <laughs> you're like instigating it. Totally. But yeah. like, that's the great fun is that right. if you just own where you're at, 
people are generally, you know, and I asked first if I could heckle them. They were like encouraging it. Like I wouldn't just heckle a scene yeah. because that's super shitty. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, right. yeah, yeah, no, I got, I got yeah. permission beforehand and then it just got bigger and bigger. And as I was going, I was like checking in. They, you know, they were sort of like, this is fun. Do more of this. And yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, okay. if they weren't in a, if they didn't, then step it up or whatever. Right. Then they would probably have been like, hey, can you right. not do that? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and yeah. they were actually giving me, she was actually giving me verbal feedback at the time being right. like, this is great. Like, right. this is fun for us. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's important to continuously like check in around consent, whatever that looks like. Right. Um, well, and I think that like as I get more into these communities or even having more conversations, like consent, communication in sex has also become so much more important to me. Whereas like, I feel like because of my conception, like it was a silent activity for the most part that takes place like in these certain places and you're supposed to feel these feels and whatever. But like communication is so amazing. And I think that in queer community, I think we talked about this briefly, but like be, you were saying it's like a luxury. I, I identified it as a luxury, but like, because I'm, straight white you know privilege and um like I I didn't I don't have to go through this journey if I don't want to Mm. right like it's it's a privilege and I feel like because I'm not partnered later in life like I get I get to do this because I'm interested in it and it feels rewarding and it feels like amazing work to also be able to share vulnerable and scary as fuck but like really exciting but because you were a part of like the queer community it was almost like I don't know how you described it, but it's just a different. Like yeah, you, you sort of were propelled into well, it. Well, if you're straight, you certainly can. You can go on a thoughtful, self-reflective journey, but you don't have to because there is this prescriptive way of living your life. Right. And if you are not straight, then uh, particularly if you are not attracted to the opposite sex and you're not interested in pursuing that at all, right? Because, like, if you're bi, like, maybe you wish to pursue it, but, like, I think a lot of bi people don't because they're like, no, that seems hard, and I'll just shut off part of myself. And um, and then, you know, that that is all the tragedies of modern life for them. But if you are not at all attracted to the opposite sex, if you are not going to live a life where you are lying about that, then you have to take a moment to think critically about your sexual identity. And then that can be it. It can be just a moment and then you can be like, okay, now I'm going to find a partner and I'm going to do the prescribed thing. Or it can be very thoughtful and you can be like, and what I want is a partner and I want to get married at 25 and I want to, you, like, you can do that. But there's that moment where you actually have to stop and think. And, and as a... As a queer person yeah. or as a, per, as a gay person. And um, we talked about sort of that like queer is a community that identifies also with a particular type of politics. Mm-hmm. And so if you are stopping and thinking then about like, well, okay, if I am not straight and how the world treats me and what that means for my rights, not necessarily just in this country, but in other countries, and then what does that mean for other people's rights, all right? And you start to get down this like rabbit hole of of progressive thought. And by the time you end up as part of the queer community, there are all of these things that you've been like, well, if this is true about me and then this is how it affects me, like how does it affect other people? And like what if I was queer and I was not white? What if I, like, mm-hmm. right, because that's my truth, I'm white. Um, or what if I was queer and I was not cis, mm-hmm. um, which is that I identify as a woman and I was born assigned female at birth and my gender presentation is femme. Um, but what if I was cis and I was butch, right? Like I sleep with people and I date people who are sometimes cis and butch and sometimes gender nonconforming. Like mm-hmm. just the more you broaden your experience, the more you have the opportunity to take that in and confront it. And it makes your sexuality. So I was saying that I think that queer people 
are maybe like the the queer kink community is pretty large relative to the size of the whole queer community on the whole. Um, and that as a straight person, like maybe you never get there, maybe you never explore that because because you didn't have to and you were doing other things. And like as a queer person, I think the opportunity presents itself much more readily. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, I guess privilege, right? Like privilege means ease of moving through the world, but also like sometimes privilege prevents you from being thoughtful and considered right. and maybe doesn't actually make your experiences rich. And so so I guess like definitely in, mm-hmm. in the definition of what we mean when we say privilege, but in terms of like actual benefit. Right. Yeah. yeah like there's definitely <clears throat> downfalls. Especially, I mean, personally for me too, as a privileged white human being, who was trying to live the prescriptive life. I mean, obviously I'm pursuing a career in the arts, which sort of shifts it to, and and, and on the coast, I think we obviously have more permissibility to have these conversations in these communities. But um, yeah, you know, and it didn't, sort of jive with me and I it never looked like it was supposed to like every time I was trying to fit into the mold of what it was what I thought it was supposed to it never did so yeah interesting so you started a podcast so I started a podcast <laughs> I love you to death I I'm love you. so excited that you are here thanks for having share me. With me this is so fun this is really fun I don't want it to end <laughs> I know this is so fun so fun so fun um Yes. Well, do you want to plug Instagram? People can follow you. Sure. You can yeah. follow me at Revo is on fire and see all of my burlesque performances and my nightlife stuff. Amazing. And then do you have any <clears throat> performance set that you're doing? I don't have any dates set right okay. now. Um, but if you're in New York City and you want to come on a tour, you, oh, can, yeah. uh, you can find me um, still probably like Instagram message me. It's Urban Adventures, but I just wrote the... Uh, the only big company, at least, that's giving an LGBTQ tour. Which is, yeah, amazing. It's really fun. I co-wrote it with one of our other um, guys named Astrid. And I think it's a really, it's really good. And, you know, it's interesting because they, uh, just real quick, they, the media team was sort of like chatting with me, I think, to see if I would be a good representative <clears throat> in the press about it. Because they want, World Pride is coming up this year and it's going to be a big deal. And they, um... I don't I think they were sort of shocked by my passion about it because they were like, well, why is this important? And I thought they, you know, I think they expect me to be like, well, Stonewall, gay liberation, that kind of thing. And I was like, because it's still illegal to be gay in countries and because people travel and even countries where it's not like it's it's hard to find other queer people. And in New York City, like it's exciting for me to be the person holding up the flag and being like, come here, come here, come here, you know, but also yeah. like there's a reason we moved to New York City that, or, or the coast, like you were saying, yeah. because because that's where people are. Right. And so just like the, the idea of like living in a safe haven and helping to continue to create that safe haven for people. Yeah. Even for people traveling or to expand people's minds. Yeah. Plus yeah. you get ice cream, drag <laughs> ice cream, big gay ice cream. So yeah, I think I've had that. Have Didn't you? I get it after we went to the, it doesn't matter. It, was, it matters. It matters. I think after we went to the the, the sing along. Oh yeah, yeah. By, by Marie's Crisis. Yeah. The gay bar slash piano bar slash Broadway sing along bar. Yeah, it's best. amazing. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yes. Everyone well, check out Jill. Um, so Instagram is at Revo on. F- is, what is? Oh, I just butchered. At it. Revo is on fire. It's Revo R E V O as in Revolution. Nice. Get it. Uh, Revo is on fire. And then, yeah, so she's a tour guide with Urban Adventures. And there's a lot of amazing tours that you can take. So if you ever go to NYC or you're there. And, yeah, I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. Oh, I just love her. That was fun. Yeah, she's so great. She'll probably come back, I hope. I'll just...
Uh, I mean, kidnap her and bring her to LA. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get her back over to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as usual, please um subscribe, write us a review. Share on, it with a friend. Yeah, share it with a friend wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh it helps us out so much. Um follow us, like us on Facebook and Instagram at Finding My Yum Podcast. And then we are looking for new uh, guests all the time. We have some really exciting um, people coming on in the next couple of weeks, which you can't wait to share. But um, send us an email. At findingmyyum at gmail.com. I checked it the other day, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're on it now, yeah. you guys. It's just so. so much to check. <laughs> so much to check. Um, but we love you. Stay yummy. We'll see you next week.